What would you do if you were sleeping one night, catching some Z's, when all of a sudden you realized something was watching you? And then we take a look at the story of the puppy named Eddie, a curious little guy who's found stranded on the side of the road. But when a family adopts Eddie and brings him home, they have no idea he's going to become a gateway to the world of the dead. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun out there in the world doing whatever you're doing. Don't forget, it's coming up to the end of season 20 and we are about to take a break. I don't think there's going to be any classic episodes this time. I know that I always say that we're going to do them. There's so much more work. I need to do them at the beginning of the season, and I say that every time, too. But we will have more classics episodes for you at some point in the future of Dead Rabbit Radio, because I do love doing them. I'm just, I'm just done. You know, by the end of the season, I'm so overworked. And also a quick reminder, March 24th, 6 p.m. in Seaside, Oregon, at the Oregon Ghost Conference, I will be giving a presentation, Why Are There No Fat Ghosts? And I would love to see you guys there. It's $15, but that's not just for my speech. $15 gives you three days at the Oregon Ghost Convention, or Oregon Ghost Conference. I guess I should say the name right. You're walking around. There's a big sign that says Oregon Ghost Conference. You're like, oh, Jason said it was the Oregon Ghost Convention. So I'm not walking in there. Oregon Ghost Conference in Seaside, Oregon, It's three days and lots of fun of people talking about the world of the paranormal. So I can't wait. I'm going to be stopping by a lot of other speeches. I want to hear that. I might attend a workshop or two. And I hope to see see you guys there. That'll be really cool. Someone who's always cool, whether or not he goes to the ghost conference or the ghost convention, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now, is one of our newest Patreon supporters. Everyone give it up. For Lazy A Farms. Woohoo! Yeah! <laughs> Come on in! An entire plot of land, an entire farm is coming into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Lazy A Farms, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, I totally understand. I really do. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so, so much. Lazy A Farms, everyone, let's walk around on his plot of land. You're like, Jason, clearly that's a business. You understand that a farm itself is not supporting the Patreon. I don't know. Where do things have happened? We're walking around with hoes and pickaxes and we're like tilling the soil. A bunch of cows are giving us orders, telling us what to do. It's a pretty cool place, Lazy A Farms. But while we're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and bury the keys for the dead rabbit dune buggy in the soil. Lazy A Farms use those keys somehow. I don't know. Grow some vines. You figure it out. Drive us all the way out of Dead Rabbit Command. We're headed out to a little boy's house. Ding, 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 ding. It's a nice little speedy drive across the world. We don't know where the story took place. We don't really even have a timeline. But it took place in the past. It took place sometime between Earth cooling and evolving life on it and today. This was written, posted online anonymously. We're going to go ahead and call the guy Fred. And Fred said this story happened when he was eight or nine. So we'll figure it minimum 10 years ago. I, I'd probably say it's in that time period, 10 to 15 years ago. Fred said that he was spending the weekend with his cousins and having a lot of fun. 
<laughs> he actually didn't have a lot of fun part, but you know, I can do a little bit of editorializing. I'm sure it wasn't terrible. Well, actually, now that I think about it, this story's kind of terrifying. He was spending the weekend with his cousins, and he was sleeping on the couch, and this was the house of his aunt and uncle and their kids, and uh, we'll go ahead and call him Uncle Jack. Is the other named character in this story. He goes to the house, Uncle Jack's house. The way it was laid out was you had a front door, obviously. He's like, no, he had a climb-up sheet rope where you could only enter on the second floor. Had a front door, and the way that the front door was set up was there was a window at the top of the door frame. So you have the door, and then above it, you have a nice big window to let the sun in. And that would not be notable in any house, right? Obviously, he's pointing that out for a reason in this story. You're like, what? That's weird. I've been in a dozen houses like that. No one's ever been, hey, um, when you visit, make sure to check out the window above the front door. You're like, what? <laughs> Is that the best thing about your house? They're like, yeah. There's a window above the front door. So anyways, Fred is spending the weekend here. He's sleeping on the couch. His eyes are closed. His little eight or nine-year-old eyelids are tightly shut. But he, he sees... Well, it's like that weird thing. You know when your eyes are closed and someone's shining a light? <laughs> Probably me. You're trying to get a good night's sleep. I'm on top of you with a flashlight. I was like, wake up, wake up. You know how when you have your eyes closed, but someone turns on the light, even though your eyes are closed, you can kind of see the light through your eyelids? You're like, uh, uh, uh. Before you even wake up, you're kind of annoyed that the light's on. It's that. That's the sensation he's having. His eyes are shut, but he kind of wakes up in the middle of the night because he senses a light is on, a very bright light, a very bright green light which would be more alarming which should be far more alarming you may think no it's not you may be a leprechaun and you're like all oh, my lights are green imagine if you woke up in the middle of the night and there was you shut off all the lights and you're, all of these scenarios are terrifying i always make up the scariest but imagine all the lights in your house are off you wake up in the middle of the night and you can see underneath the crack of your bedroom door that your hall light's on that'd be spooky but imagine, you're like, Jason, no, I don't care what color the light is. If I shut them all off, I woke up in the middle of the night and it was a strobe light. Well, see, that's the thing. It would be scarier because then you'd think aliens are in my hallway. If it was a green light coming from underneath your doorway, you would go paranormal. If it was a red light, you'd go demons. You would associate different light with different phenomena. All of them would be equally terrifying. But if you were over at your uncle's house, an unfamiliar house, and there was a green glowing light, you'd think, oh, maybe someone has like a really bright alarm clock. Maybe someone's experimenting with radiated rods nearby. But whatever it is, whatever's going on, it's annoying. And Fred's trying to sleep and he opens his eyes up and he sees, of course, like he thought with his eyes closed, the entire living room is bathed in a green glow. And then he almost immediately realizes the source of the glow. It's not an alarm clock. It's not radiation. Well, it might be radiation, actually, now that I think about it. But he realizes, like, he looks around and his eyes settle on that window above the front door. And what he sees is so impossible. He goes, I, just, I must just be dreaming. That's not possible. I'm going to go back to sleep. So he closes his eyes. And he holds them tight. 
and the green glow is continuing to permeate his eyelids, and then he begins to get this sensation that he is being watched. That tried and true sensation we've all been through where we feel like someone's watching him. And now he's like, okay, this isn't fake. It's impossible, but it's real. And he kind of takes his eyes, he's kind of squinting, he's kind of like barely looking. He doesn't want it to know he's awake. Fred does not want this thing to know that he is terrified. What Fred saw when he first opened his eyes was a massive green eyeball floating outside the front door window. So the front door itself is what? We're talking about six, seven feet tall. Six feet tall. People bump their heads all the time. It's about seven, eight feet tall, right? So this giant eyeball is floating about nine or ten feet off the ground. It's giant. Right? If it was a normal-sized eyeball floating ten feet off the ground, you're like, ah, whatever. You're all trying to attack it with a place water. But it's giant. It's a giant green floating eyeball. It's taking up almost the entire window. So you imagine... It's floating about nine feet off the ground, and you could say it's maybe four feet in diameter. Maybe a little bit bigger than a basketball. You're like, Jason, what basketballs do you play with? That's actually huge. Four feet in diameter would be ma a massive basketball. The Globetrotters are like, uh, yeah, it's funny looking, but we'll hurt our backs if we try dribbling that thing. Big, big eyeball floating. And when he first saw, if you saw a giant eyeball, if you woke up in the middle of the night, there's a giant eyeball floating outside your house, you would go, I must be dreaming. That's impossible. If you saw what looked like an intruder, if he had just seen the green glow, he probably would have been more curious of what was out there. The giant eyeballs don't exist, but when he tried going back to sleep, when he shut his eyes, that's when he felt the eyeball was watching him intently. And so Fred is laying on this couch and he has his eyes closed like he's pretending to sleep, but he's kind of squinting through them because he wants to, like, double-check. Is that what I saw? Is there really a really giant eyeball out there? And he said, when I was squinting and I'm looking at the eyeball, the eyeball twitched. It had a physical reaction as if it knew for a fact that Fred was looking at it. He said it made a physical movement, and I felt now that it knew that not only was I awake, but I was steadying it. I was trying to figure out what it was. And Fred just begins screaming at the top of his lungs. He's being screaming at the top of his lungs. Remember, it's the middle of the night. And his uncle comes storming down the stairs. Not like, oh no, I gotta protect this blood of mine. I gotta protect this nephew. He's one of the pack. No. He hears a little boy screaming and he's pissed off. Which is fair, right? You're not gonna assume, oh, the burglar must have gotten into my house. And is killing, killing my nephew. You would be running down the stairs being like, great, I have a little kid over here. He's in a new house and something scared him. <laughs> the burglar, the burglar. Yes, he can be scary, kids. But as long as he just steals the stuff we don't use anymore, everything's okay. Uncle Jack comes downstairs and he's actually really upset because he just woke up. He was deep asleep. All of a sudden you hear this little kid scream and it's not even yours. And Uncle Jack enters the room and grumpily says, what is it? And Jack just points at the window and goes, look! And Uncle Jack follows the finger and looks at the front door and looks at the window and takes a step backwards. He's startled by what he sees. 
He has a physical reaction to it. This wasn't just a nightmare. This wasn't just a hallucination or a trick of the light. Uncle Jack sees it too, and he steps back. And Uncle Jack's like, what is that? And Fred goes, it looks like an eye. And it's still just floating there. Now there's two witnesses who are watching this phenomenon. And Uncle Jack, to his credit, walks towards the eye. I don't know if I would have done that. I might have scooped the kid up and ran upstairs and blocked all the doors. I don't know. Maybe I would have walked towards the eye. Maybe I'm braver than I think. But Uncle Jack walks towards the eye and he puts his hand on the door handle and he opens the door up. And right when he does that, the eyeball vanishes. Uncle Jack shuts the door and then we have probably the most realistic conversation that can happen in one of these situations. We run into it all the time. If you're an experiencer of the paranormal, this is something you run into all the time. If you're a fan of the paranormal, I'm sure you've read accounts like this as well. Or wondered, hmm, why did they do that? Giant green eye, floating nine feet off the ground, bathing the entire room in green light. Two witnesses, an adult and a child, in two different parts of the room. You know, one's much taller, one's laying down. It's not a trick of the light, it's not a hallucination, not a dream. Giant green eyeball. Door opens up, it disappears. Fred goes, what was that? And Uncle Jack's exact quote, what Fred told us he said was, quote, I don't know. It's gone now. It's gone now. Go to sleep. And then Uncle Jack just left. Uncle Jack just left the living room, walked up the stairs, and went back to his bedroom. And Fred was like, dude, I can't do that. What are you talking about? There's a giant green eyeball out there. And he goes, I spent the rest of the night just looking at the window. I couldn't go back to sleep. He goes, it never showed back up. And the next morning, when we were sitting around the breakfast table, I asked my uncle, what was that? Like, what was up with that giant eyeball that was floating in? And Uncle Jack goes, ah, it must have just been a trick of the light. It must have been something 100% explainable. It's interesting because when you do look at accounts of the paranormal, people will do things, but they'll have these extraordinary events and they'll go back to sleep. They'll have these extraordinary events and then they continue about their day. They'll go shopping and then they'll come home and then it will hit them. The... um the terror, the the excitement, whatever they actually went through. People act in interesting ways, and most of the time, it's avoidance. Yeah, it's like, that can't be true. And that's what Fred did at first, too, remember? He saw it. He was deep asleep, saw the green light, then saw the eyeball and goes, I must be dreaming, that's not real. And then the event intensified from there. And it was the same thing with Uncle Jack. He's like, it was nothing. Like, even though he clearly saw it and he had a physical reaction to it, like he, it, it scared him. He stepped backwards. He was scared. And then he walked to it, opened the door and it went away. And his first thing was, I don't know what that was, but it's gone. Go back to sleep. It's super interesting, isn't it? It would have been one thing if, if Fred was the only witness. Uncle Jack would be like, just go sleep, it was a nightmare. And Fred could be like, it. but to this day I know it was a nightmare. No, there were two witnesses. And even though the adult saw it, he goes, whatever. <laughs> like, whatever, it's probably some eyeball from another dimension. Just ignore it. 
And then the next day, he'd completely dismissed it. He's definitely, the, the uncle's not posting online, being like, you won't believe what happened. I was 30 years old and a giant eyeball. No, he, he just went on with his life. Maybe he thought about it later. Maybe he didn't. And what's interesting, too, is I found, when I was looking more into this, there were a couple different people who also described giant floating eyeballs. You'd see other people comment on this story, and, and um, one girl said she opened up her closet once and there was a giant floating eyeball in her closet. Another girl said that she would wake up. This one was particularly creepy. I mean, not like a giant eyeball in your closet is anything to sneeze at or outside your house, but she goes, this one seems more malicious. She goes... I would always sleep with my bedroom door kind of cracked open. And one night I woke up and there was a giant eyeball floating in the hallway of the house that also gave off a green glow. But she said this one floated in such a way that it looked like it was trying to peek over the top of the opened bedroom door. Like it was making a attempt to spy on her. Like it was kind of like looking around like a pervert in a Walmart dressing room. And the reason why, so the reason why I point that out, you could go, well, Jason, the first eyeball was looking at a sleeping eight-year-old boy. I mean, that, that's pretty perverted too. When you have paranormal phenomenon, sometimes it is, like my experience with the shadow people, the shadow men, I'll put that episode in the show notes, they were completely aloof. They didn't care. My experiences with them was they did not care that you were there. They didn't care that you observed them. It was basically the same thing as a squirrel sitting on a rock watching the river. Like The river doesn't care. It's simply a phenomenon that it neither hates nor loves squirrels. It's simply happening in this place and time, and it's being observed by this squirrel. So an eyeball floating outside of a house could be a neutral phenomenon. It didn't like being looked at, for sure, and it disappeared when the door opened, but that's fairly neutral. The eyeball kind of angling for a better view of a little girl sleeping in her bedroom, that seems creepy. <laughs> to be fair, they're both creepy, but you know what I mean? Like one of them, the one floating in the closet, that seems fairly neutral, a neutral phenomenon. Then you can have helpful paranormal phenomenon, which I think happens so often we don't even recognize it. Sometimes it's super dramatic and we'll talk about guardian angels, but I think sometimes it's just you see something, you're walking down the road and you see something that makes you smile. You see a giant green eyeball being dribbled by the Harlem Globetrotters and you're like, ah, I think sometimes good paranormal events are so minor, they just kind of like lighten our mood. You get home and you're favorite television show like you didn't miss a minute of it right when you got home like jason no one does that anymore you boomer we all watch stuff on streaming you know what i mean i'm sure there are little paranormal things that happen quite often that we just account to luck or being like wow everything just kind of worked out i think you could qualify that stuff as good paranormal evil paranormal stuff obviously you know murders people getting chopped up by demons people falling deeper and deeper into addictions or depression and completely destroying their lives and the lives of their family all that stuff that would be more of the negative even i think a spooky ghost floating around your house they don't he's like i'm sorry to make you a heroin addict i'm just a spooky ghost you have such high standards jason i just wanted to float around and be spooky and now, oh now i gotta take you down to the casino make you sit in front of a slot machine for 10 hours dude you can have just spooky ghosts, spooky noises, uh, things to scare you, and then things that actually ruin your life. Uh, yeah, but I, again, like I think it's interesting because the 
glowing green eye, how malicious is it? And how widespread is it, too? It's really interesting when someone comes out and says, hey, here's the story I have. And then you see other people talk about it. Some of them could be made up because they're kind of hanging on to the story. But some of them, a story like this, like, again, we talk about this all the time on the show, where do you classify it? It's not a ghost. It's not a UFO. It's not a cryptid. There's dedicated organizations for those. So if you see an alien kill your dog, like we talked about on Friday and Monday's episode, you contact MUFON. If you see Bigfoot, you contact the Bigfoot Research Group. If you see, you know, a ghost, you contact ghost researchers. But who do you call for a giant green eyeball? So who knows how common this is? Probably not super common, but it may have happened more than just a few times it was posted here. And uh, Fred went online by the name Fitzy the Artist. That was the name they posted this on. I wanted to give him credit for that. But interesting story. What is the phenomenon? And is it going to be watching you? tonight you're like i hope so you buy some new underwear you're like getting all sexy before bed you're like oh i have that green eye spies on me lazy a farms let's go ahead and leave all these pervert leave all these eyeball perverts behind the rest of you get on board the world famous carpenter copter lazy a farms i'm gonna toss you the keys catch them in your corn stalk we are leaving behind uncle jack's house take us all the way out to a road the whole time he's like this road is like no 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 that road we're going to a specific road we're going to a specific road again another story we don't have a location for or a time and this story might pull on your heartstrings a little bit so if you're if you're currently going through a bout of depression be warned also if you love dogs like jason what is it just got done with Close Encounters of a Canine Kind Week. Let's take a look at this story. I, f- I find this story beautiful. But let's take a look at it. It doesn't start off beautiful. It starts off quite grim. We're going to take a look at Joey's family. All these names, except for the dog's name. The dog's name is real. But all these names we've had to create are supposed to anonymously. Joey tells this story. He said, one day my stepdad, Philip was driving down the road, and he sees a little lump on the side of the road. A little lump. He's like, oh, that's my favorite, that's my favorite Fergie song. He's all humming it as he's walking up to the lump. He's like, my humby, humby humps, my lumps, my lovely lady. And then he looks, and the lump, it's not a lovely lady lump, although that would be disgusting too. There's just a boob sitting on the side of the road. He's like, ah, that's not what I expected either. What he sees is a puppy. But this puppy's not in good shape. This puppy, because you're my friend, <laughs> I'm not going to go into detail, but apparently what it seemed like, okay, never mind, I'm not going to tell you that. Just the puppy is not in good shape. And Philip goes, Philip's all of a sudden imagining in great detail what could have happened. And he's like, I'm not going to tell anyone that. Philip takes the dog to the vet. And he goes, hey, this isn't my dog. I found him by the side of the road. And the vet's like, dear God, you know what happened to this dog? And he starts talking about it. And Phil's like, I don't know. I don't know. Just fix the dog. Just fix this dog, please. And the vet goes, we will rebuild this dog. And so they did. They spent a lot of money. But Eddie was ready to go. They're like, back to the road, buddy. He's like, ruff, 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 ruff. And they named this puppy Eddie, and Philip goes, you know what? 
We did spend a lot of money on this dog. Let's take him home. Let's consider him an investment. I'll write him off for my taxes. Let's bring good old Eddie home. So they take Eddie home, and at this time, Joey is a little boy. And Joey and Eddie kind of start growing up alongside each other, going on little adventures. And he's like, he's like, you want to go for a walk down the road? And he's like, wherever we're in. And they're like, what? I know you can talk. Joey and Eddie are growing up together. But Eddie, although he loves hanging out with everyone, he is Philip's dog. He loves Philip so much. And, and Joey goes, we all had our time to sit and pet Eddie, chase him around. Eddie is constantly hanging out with Philip, and wherever you found Philip, you found Eddie right next to him. It was like a true bond, but he, but everyone, it wasn't like he growled at everybody else. But you know, Philip comes home from work, and a little puppy's walking next to him. He was at the coal mine too. He has a little hat, a little hard hat on. His face is all dirty. And when Philip comes home from work, Eddie runs up to him, sits in his lap, and they sit there and they watch the news together. Price is right, whatever. And that's just life. That's life for Eddie. He's found his home. He's found his family. He's found his dad, Philip. And little Eddie loves this family. And Joey, eventually, it's time for him to go to college. And when Joey is at college, he gets a phone call from his mom saying Eddie passed away last night. And obviously Joey's heartbroken, right? Like he, this was like a member of the family. He grew up with Joey. And in the back of his mind, he's thinking, oh my God, what about my stepdad? Like it hurts me. It hurts my heart that Eddie has passed, but I can't imagine what my stepdad's going through. Like it was like, he rescued this puppy. This puppy was going to die. And my dad just happened to pull over and pick him up and, and not only save his life, but then bring him home and make him part of our life. And Joey says this happened so suddenly, him dying and then being buried in the pet cemetery. He goes, I felt like I didn't have a chance to say goodbye. I definitely didn't get a chance to be with him in his final moments. And he doesn't say how Eddie died, but, you know, probably natural causes. <laughs> I think it would have included if it involved a road. But anyways, he just says that Eddie passes away and it all happened so quickly. He didn't get to say goodbye to Eddie either while he was getting sicker or even after, you know, like at the funeral ceremony for the dog and all that stuff. So he felt that he had lost something when he, a piece of the grieving process, he, Joey felt like he wasn't, um, he wasn't part of that, you know. He said a few months later, though, Joey's still in college, and he has a dream. He has a dream that he's standing outside in a, in a fairly unfamiliar place. He just knows that it's this outside location. And there's this trail. And trotting down the trail is Eddie. And he sees Eddie come towards him, and he's so relieved. He's like, Eddie, oh my god, oh, I've missed you so much. And he looks down, and Eddie is a little worse for wear. But he's happy. His tail is wagging. He's doing a little puppy dance. His hair is matted and dirty. 
And as Joey is petting Eddie, he realizes that Eddie's flesh is also a little rotten. Probably, probably stop petting him at that point. Dream or no dream. But he realizes like what he's looking at is Eddie is dead, even in the dream. But Eddie is so happy and so excited, it doesn't matter. Joey's going to take this moment to be with Eddie just a little bit longer. And they begin walking down this trail. And the whole time, Eddie is just wagging his little tail. So happy. He's back with his buddy, Joey. His brother, Joey. And Joey said the farther we got down the trail, the more excited Eddie got. Started prancing a little bit more, tail wagging even more. (laughs) So excited to be on this journey with Joey. Until eventually, they come to this giant wall of mist. And Joey said that it covered the entire horizon. You could look both ways. It would go on forever. And when he looked up, he saw it reached far past the sky. The wall of mist was silent, peaceful. There was a beauty to this barrier. But Joey knew that this was the end of the trip. Eddie walks up to the wall of mist and then turns around and walks back to Joey. Joey reaches down to pet Eddie again and Eddie just licks Joey's hand. Joey picks up Eddie. They do a couple little nose kisses. And he sets Eddie back on the ground. And Eddie begins to whine just a little bit, just for a moment. Eddie looks back up at Joey, walks back towards the wall of mist. And as he gets to the mist, he begins doing his little happy dog dance again, his little prance that Joey had seen so many times before. In the moments when Eddie was the happiest, he would do this little dance. Eddie walks through the wall of mist to the point that now it's just a silhouette of a dog. All detail has been lost to the fog. This little dog is dancing around in the mist and begins jumping up and down as a Humanoid silhouette shows up. Joey sees Eddie jump up and down as this shadowy apparition appears next to him. Joey takes a step forward himself. He wants to see what's beyond the mist, what's on the other side of this unending wall. He reaches out and he puts his hand against the mist. And his cell phone goes off. He wakes up. His cell phone's ringing. He reaches over, looks at the number, answers the call. It's his mother. She's sobbing. Philip just died of a heart attack. It's a fascinating 
on 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 so many levels it has what we expect from a traditional ghost story it has all of these elements in it the idea of dreaming of a dead loved one coming back to visit you one last time very traditional ghost experience we've had a couple stories this week i didn't plan it this way definitely didn't plan all the dead dogs in the past two weeks but of people we covered yesterday about the boss at the work site who died and nobody knew he died, but they saw his ghost. This story has that type of element as well. The implication is that the humanoid figure on the other side of the mist was Philip. It's never explicitly said, but I think that's the implication. And that was this dream. And Eddie was going, Eddie was excited for multiple reasons to see Joey again, but Eddie also was there to walk with Philip in the afterlife. They were inseparable, and um, now they would be together in paradise. This is one of those stories, I mean, you know, when you look at it, when you look at this person's posting history, they haven't posted in a long time, but it's not a ton of spooky stories. It's not a ton of... Actually, it's zero. This is the only one. They, otherwise, they're just con constantly kind of walking around Reddit, and every so often they're in a subreddit called Retconned, which is actually a new version of the Mandela effect. It's kind of an interesting... I've been spending a lot of time on that subreddit. There's some interesting stuff coming out of there. But you know what I mean? He's not like on the creepypasta subreddit. He's not like, and then the next day Eddie returned and he had a watch, a magical watch that allowed him to control a UFO. He's not constantly adding to the narrative. Story could be made up, but it's also possibly true. In the world of the paranormal, nothing in the story is out of place for the most part it just seems like a traditional ghost story and it's one that i think depending on your point of view is either sweet or sad because i think you can hear the story and go well that's just so sad that you know like eddie and philip are dead or any story involving a dead dog is sad i don't know why you can't i don't know why you can't get that through your head jason listen i love dogs i don't hate dogs um, I think the story's sweet. I think the story's sweet. I think the story is a reminder that death is not the end. I think that's the reason, the appeal of a lot of ghost stories. I think even when they come back as monsters, they're like, death is not the end, and I'm going to haunt you until your death. And then I'm going to keep haunting you, because death's not the end. I'm going to bully you in the afterlife as well. You're like, ah. You know what I mean? Like, to know that there's something after this. I think it's a sweet, I think it's an endearing thought. I think it's, it's calming in a way. And I know there's not everyone's like that. Some people go, I think it's more intriguing to think that this is all that there is. And when you die, it's over. I mean, to each their own, right? But... And they may hear this story and they may go, well, it's really the story about a kid whose dog died and then his stepdad died and everything else was a hallucination. Everything else was just a dream. Jason, this whole thing took place in the dream. Like, what's the paranormal aspect? It's funny now that I say that, the, the only paranormal aspect of the dream is the fact that he knew... Well, actually, okay, this is super interesting because this is part of... This, this show has no script. If you guys haven't guessed that, Thinking about it this way, and I could go on forever, so we're going to have to wrap this up because I just thought of this. There is no element in this story that is paranormal. Zero. Not saying that it has to be. Someone's like, oh, no, my kid died. I was like, well, but did they get killed by a ghost? They're like, no. I was like, oh, don't tell me about it. 
you, I was reporting on it as a paranormal story, and I made all of these. The way I read it was, it was the ghost of Eddie coming back to say goodbye to Joey one more time. And then led Joey to the wall that separates the world of the living and the world of the dead. And on the other side of that wall was now Eddie. And then a humanoid figure appeared who Joey at no point. I'm going to double check because I don't even know if he specifically says, I think that was my stepdad. Let me double check that here. It says, then he turns around again and starts to do that happy dog prance toward the wall until he finally passes through it. I can sort of see his outline jumping up and down excitedly next to a human-shaped figure. I jog after Eddie and reach my hand out to touch the wall, hoping I'll be able to pass through it too. That's when my cell phone rings in real life, waking me up. When I answer it, my mom is on the other end crying. My stepdad has just died of a heart attack. So he never even makes that claim. Isn't that interesting? I, the way I read the story was that the dog had come back from the afterlife to greet, say, say goodbye to Joey, and then Philip showed up and was on the other side of this wall, and that's why Eddie was doing such a little happy dance. And then Joey wakes up and finds out that his stepdad is just died of a heart attack. But there is zero... It's so, this is interesting because as a paranormal guy, right, as a paranormal researcher... I defaulted to that because it had so many hallmarks of a paranormal story. But was it a paranormal story? Was it just a dream? Was the hum could you argue the humanoid figure wasn't him knowing in advance, even just by a few seconds, that his stepdad was going to die? Like I'm assuming the stepdad died. The mom wasn't calling him as he was having the heart attack. I'm assuming the stepdad had died and the ambulance had just picked him up and all that stuff, and then they get the phone call. But who knows? It's an interesting story now to think about it. Like there may it may be a paranormal story of ghosts and premonitions of death, even if it's just by a couple seconds, a couple minutes before that phone call, right? It's still a premonition. It could be a story of that, or it could just be the story of a dream. And the humanoid figure on the other side of the wall was not Philip. It was just a, another guardian spirit there with Eddie. That's super interesting. That's just, an, I think, looking on that, that's an insight into how I read things. My psyche, right? It was posted, someone asked the question, what is the most paranormal or unexplainable event you have ever witnessed? And people were responding to that question. So it wasn't... You could say it was unexplained. You could say it was paranormal. My view on life after death, which I believe in, if you asked me what exactly is that, I go, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know if it's reincarnation. I don't know if it's heaven, like a literal place called heaven, if it's some sort of paradise world. Who knows? I don't know. But so this story... I read it and I go, oh, these are the things that I already think about the afterlife. There's going to be a lot of dancing dogs. I better, there better be. Fascinating story though. Ghost story, unexplained event, or just simply a dream that I've read. Not only did I read too much into, but I told it in such a way that led it to maybe you also going, oh, this is about ghosts. And I think I even said in the beginning, this ghost brings home, opens a portal to the other world or whatever I said in the beginning. So that's interesting. I almost feel like this is a meta commentary. How did you experience that story? Was the whole time you thinking, oh, it's just a dream or, oh, Jason's making a joke about 
dogs on roads again. Come on, dude. Just tell the story, but fascinating. And it shows kind of my view of the world and how I can lead. Like, again, if you weren't predisposed, I don't want to get too meta, but if you weren't going to be predisposed to hearing that story and thinking it the way I did, did I tell it in such a way that you didn't have an option? That's all real fascinating stuff. But the not as, to me, not as fascinating as the story. I really love the story of Eddie and Philip. And it's a story that love lives on even after death. Love does not die with death. I truly do believe that. And so does Eddie. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. 